2: Welcome to the Tom Bernard Show, sitting in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader along with Andy Brant Bernard
0: and Cassie Schrader.
2: When we return, we'll be joined in talking about getting the love you want to guide for couples next here on the Tom Bernard Show.
1: Join us every Thursday at 2 o'clock Central for our newest podcast, Car Selling Secrets. It'll be co-hosted by me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal from Walzer Automotive Group. We'll be talking about lots of stuff relating to how dealership sales actually work, as well as the latest product updates from nearly every make sold in the USA. If you have questions for the podcast, either email doug at Walzer.com or call the studio live at 952-800-1492.
0: Just wait, just wait, honey. Do
2: I have to? Yes. Ah, uh, ah, uh, there we go. Aw. It's queen. It is queen. All right, we are back. Joining us now on the line, Helen Lakeley Hunt, Ph.D., was elected to the Women's Hall of Fame for her work in women's philanthropy. Harville and uh, Helen are best-selling authors and founders of the Institute for, is this Amago Relationships International? Am I saying that properly, Helen?
3: Um, that's great. Helen, by the way, had to not, she had to drop out today, so I'm the only one here, so I'll represent her, but that is the correct title.
2: <laughs> All right. Sorry and then joining us as well is Harville Hendricks, uh, PHE. He's the New All York right. Times bestselling author of Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples, Keeping the Love You Find, A Personal Guide, and with his wife, Helen LaKelley Hunt, Giving the Love That Heals, A Guide for Parents. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know,
2: We've got Valentine's I Day just Valentine's f- Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got Valentine's Day just a few days away. People are looking for ways to reinvigorate their love life, reinvigorate their their relationships and you know we we've, we've unfortunately live in a disposable environment now where it's a lot easier to toss aside relationships than actually work on them. Mm-hmm. At least that's the perceived notion. Um, wherein it's truly, once you're with somebody, it's a lot easier to just work on that relationship than it is to have to start from scratch. Is that a pretty fair assessment?
3: Well, it's an absolutely fair assessment. And the the reason it's fair is that if you toss it aside without resolving the issues in it and go to another relationship, the same tiger will show up again. And so you have to deal with the tiger and uh, and rather than throwing away the partner, throw away the tiger and that means working the issues through.
2: Well, I know in your book you cover a lot of, of interesting topics. one that w- discovering why you choose your mate, what is it that we, what yeah. is it truthfully inherently within us that makes us choose uh, or help you know points us in the direction of the, the people that we are most attracted to for mates.
3: Yeah, well the, the template for uh, mate attraction, leading to romantic love is um, <clears throat> surprisingly an awful thing to say, unresolved issues in childhood connected to a particular caretaker or caretakers. We use caretaker because sometimes it's uh, it's both and it's uh, maybe an Uncle Ann or a maid or whoever, whoever was there when you were little um, and uh, responsible for your needs at the time. So there are two things that happen. One is you get needs met, the other one is you don't get some needs met, and those some needs that you don't get met go into memory as needs that have to be met, but they can be met only with a person uh, similar to, only, only by the caretaker when you're little, or in adulthood, somebody similar to the caretaker. So your unconscious mind, when scanning the world for your adult intimate partner, will always pick a person similar to the caretaker with whom you did not get your needs met. When, you, when your unconscious mind picks them, you don't know your your conscious mind wouldn't do it. If it knew what was going on, it would say, no, 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 no. I don't want anybody like, you know, the combination of mom and dad or whatever. But your unconscious mind says, that's the way it has to be done. So you'll fall in love with that person. and uh, then And you'll idealize them as the person that's going to meet your needs in adulthood, although you don't have those kind of conversations. It's just wonderful. We love each other and blah, blah, blah. But but there are unconscious expectations, and when those are not met, even though they may not be voiced, frustration begins, and that uh, leads to bad Valentine's Days.
2: Yeah, that certainly can Well, a, a lifetime of bad Valentine's Days if you don't know what you're doing
4: or mm-hmm. what you're looking for. So if you're aware that this is happening, can you stop it from happening, or is this a foregone conclusion?
3: Well— Oh, you can't actually stop it. You can't stop your unconscious mind, obviously, by Mm -hmm. virtue of the fact that it's out of your awareness. You can't stop your unconscious mind. But what you can do is know what I've just said, as uh, what's going to happen. And then when um, the trouble shows up after you've fallen in love and become a couple, the trouble shows up, you can say, Oh, childhood must be showing up in our relationship unmet need for me, unmet need for you. And if you uh, say, let's look at that together and be partners in working on this together, then you can work it through and it'll be a wonderful relationship. But if you go into competition, control, domination, it's got to be my way or the highway, then, of course, you'll have a miserable time. And if you split, you'll meet somebody and do it all over again.
2: Right there does seem to be that uh, quagmire we keep putting ourselves into. Well, how do we how do we start to resolve that power struggle? You know that, that keeps us from really becoming more intimate.
3: Well, the um, the basic thing that Helen and I have worked out and uh, without and Helen uh, this she is um, the um, absolute partner with this and uh, indispensable for the book being written and its distributions. And I'm sorry she's not here to also answer some of this, but um, we work the answers out together. Um, the, the, the short answer is give up negativity. Negativity kills a passion. Um, and go to affirmations, uh, saying something that, about, that you appreciate about the person. Not, not, not candy-coated stuff, just something real. Um, so you, those are the principles, and and in order to make that work, it's a good a good um, thing to learn how to talk differently. And what we mean by that is learn how to have a safe conversation. What that means is when your partner talks, you say, "Well, let me see if I got that." You mirror it back instead of saying, uh, "What in the hell did you say?" Uh, and why did you say that? And that's not right. Right. Uh, which is what most couples do mm-hmm. uh, you say instead? Hey, that's interesting. Let me let me see if I'm getting that and you mirror it back If I got it, you said so and so. And then you say, oh, did I get it? Um, now, the reason we do that, that's called accuracy check. We have a 80% distortion rate, our brains picks up only about 20% accuracy in what anybody says to us, even when we're not upset. If you're upset, picks up nothing just reacts. So you have to check out for accuracy. And then if they say, well, that's that's pretty good, you can say, well, then is there more about that, which is showing curiosity. So if you can just do those simple things, uh, mirror back what your partner is saying, check to see if you got it right, ask if there's more, you'll begin to create safety in a relationship. Safety is non-negotiable for a happy relationship. And then uh, the passion will come back. No, no
2: safety, no passion. All right. You know, when you start to realize there are problems arising, how do you, you know, then connect with your spouse to say, okay, these are the – and or, or do we not make a vocalization of, oh, these are childhood issues we need to resolve or, or look at what needs aren't being met? Um, because I would think that would put somebody even more on the defense. No, this isn't about my childhood. It's because you're a jackass. That's why I'm mad. And it turns into <laughs> one of those situations. Not that I'm speaking from experience, yeah. am I, honey? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> but where, where does that, yeah. you know, do, do, we, do we voice that or do we just realize, oh, this is, she's upset or he's upset because something from his child and then try to get to that. How do, how do we do that without seeming intrusive?
3: Uh, how, without seeming intrusive? Well, it, it's a real problem and it's a great question. And our culture doesn't have a public answer about that Like It's not you know, you you know, that one in one or two, and we teach math and language and all but we don't teach about relationships. So hardly any unless they read a book like getting love you want or other similar books from my colleagues, you don't know that there are uh, intrusions from the past into the present in all of our lives, and especially in our intimate partnerships. So if you knew that, and after hearing this uh, conversation today, anybody listening to it might say, when my partner uh, does something that bothers me uh, three times, or more like personal, if I feel upset about the same thing three times, I know that's coming from childhood. Uh, Because childhood creates these patterns. And so somebody does something that triggers a memory. If it triggers a memory three times, it's an old, it's an old thing. So you can know that that's, uh, that triggers coming up and then you can say, well, I'm not going to react to this. I'm going to pay attention to what I want in my frustration and then go and ask for that. So that's one thing you can do and never bring up childhood. Just say, hey, uh, you know, three times uh, I've been responding negatively to my partner being late. So, why am I frustrated? Well, it's because I want my partner to be on time. Uh, and then even if you can't remember it, you know if you're frustrated about uh, reliability that you had unreliable caretakers. You couldn't count on them being there. So, uh, so this is more about you than it is about your partner. So, you can say to your partner, however, you know what? <clears throat> we had an agreement to meet on time, say it with a kind tone of words, to for dinner. Uh, and um, and and you couldn't make it at seven. So in the future, would you be willing to call me if you're gonna be late? So you ask for what you want instead of complain about what you don't have. And then you don't trigger your partner into their defenses in which they then become critical. So asking clearly for what you want. but the, But the clue to keep in mind is if you have a trigger three times in a row around the same thing, you're dealing with a childhood issue. Not with your partner, but you're making your partner the problem rather than your own memory.
2: All right, but if it's something that you know, uh, oh boy, see, I feel like I'm walking on a razor's edge. Why do I have to do this show while my wife is sitting next to me?
0: I, I <laughs> feel like every glare. every question
2: I'm going to ask, <laughs> she'll end up thinking, "Oh, I didn't know that was the problem." Uh, but no, when when you're in a relationship and you say that, right? Okay, so something's coming up. Is it any? Does it mean that what your partner is doing is any less? irritating just because you realize it was something that happened from your childhood? I mean, isn't that still the same degree of, boy, that really annoyed me growing up and now it's annoying me as an adult. I, you know, I mean, it should, <laughs> I don't want it to be just dismissive of, oh, well, I'm just trying to get over childhood issues. No, I just don't like that. How do you, you know, how yeah. do we get past those type of situations?
3: Well, then you have to have a conversation with your partner.
2: Nah, forget it. Uh, I'm out.
3: Or something that's repetitive. <laughs> All right. Have right. a conversation. Sure and you say, you know, when you do that or say that, I feel this, um, and, and your partner can say, well, when you do that or this, I feel this. So you can then say, well, what can we do so that when one of us is triggered, we don't turn it into a fight, we turn it into a partnership, find the solution together. So we become partners in the project of creating a great relationship instead of competitors in a project of trying to you know, control, dominate, and win. So it's a simple thing, but it's hard to do because you're into a reactivity. So we encourage couples, plan and make some rituals, learn some things before you get upset. So when you do get upset, you know, it's like if you're going to go play tennis, learn some things before you go play tennis so that you can play tennis, like take lessons. Um, And then you can go play tennis. But if you don't take lessons, you're just going to knock the ball out out on the court. So prepare ahead of time. Like for one thing, couples can do to create safety is start looking for what your partner does well, and comment on it. Say, "Wow, I really appreciate the way you did the dishes, the way you came home on time, the way you uh, closed the garage door." Look, uh, catch uh, somebody said catch your partner doing something good and tell them about it a lot. Now we have couples who have taken just that activity. And believed Helen and me when we said if you do that one thing it'll begin to change your relationship a couple came to us they were on the verge of divorce we sent them home and they said okay we're gonna trust you we're gonna do it and for two months they did one thing which was give each other appreciations every day three times a day they are now not in the divorce court five years later they're back in love again so what you have to do is Really affirm the other person rather than judge them, and then they'll feel safe with you, and then you can feel connected and alive.
2: Wow, that's some great insight. Not rocket science. It sure, sure feels like it from time to time. Just out, out of curiosity, uh, Doctor, how long have you and your wife been married? Uh, we've been married 38 years, we've known each other for 43. Wow! Congratulations. That's that's great. I I only ask because I I thought it was funny. Like you know, one of the biggest speakers in relationships for a long time was was uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Uh, John Gray, and he wrote "The Men Are From Mars, yeah. Women Are From Venus." Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he was married to Barbara DeAngelis, who was a. Uh, relationship expert, and they both got divorced and have been divorced a couple times yeah. since. So it's always like, I like to know that the person that's uh, speaking from an expert <laughs> point of view yeah. is is implementing this. Uh, the book is out and available right now, Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by today, Dr. Uh, Hendricks, and giving us some insights.
3: Well, thank you for stopping by yourself. I enjoyed talking with you, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's to you and Day. Everyone.
2: Thank you. Stay tuned. We've got more Tom Bernard show right after this. Really? You're going to choose Love Hurts?
0: Great song.
2: <laughs> now all the listeners are going to think we have problems. They, play they don't need to know we have problems. <laughs> you suck.
0: <laughs> no.
2: Lorraine Justice will join us a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk about the future of design, global product, innovation for a complex world, AI. The rise of the Terminators. That's mm-hmm. what she's really here to talk to us about, right? Yes relationships Valentine's Day right around the corner we were ribbing you yesterday Andy that when women say don't no I don't want you to get me anything or do anything special on Valentine's Day how that's usually the very opposite and and how do we know when it's not well here's just a steady rule of thumb always pretend it's not <laughs> and always just do it anyway because yeah. it's the kind good thing to do mm-hmm. just make everyday more like valentine's day so that it doesn't you know
0: yes to me valentine's day it's so commercial and it's so cliche oh it's so cliche like,
2: to say it's so commercial and cliche no
0: no like i would rant i would rather have you give me flowers or a thoughtful card just randomly versus on valentine's day you know what i'm saying like if you just came home with flowers god i
2: hate flowers with a passion
0: i know i'm just i'm just using that as a but i buy flowers
2: don't i so don't don't want to sound like a bad guy
0: it is a nice centerpiece on our kitchen table (laughs) (laughs) although those roses we have they made our house smell delightful yes so yeah
2: one eight hundred flowers. <laughs> that's what I ordered for one eight hundred flowers, the sweetheart arrangement. Yes. And they do smell good. Uh, yeah. See, I don't know where you're at on that stuff, Andy. Flowers drive me crazy. I just the idea of giving something to somebody that's going to die in five days <laughs> yeah. and spending sixty bucks on it. I'd much rather. I'd much rather uh, yeah. take you out to dinner or have a. A meaningful conversation than give flowers yeah. they just well
0: plus the cats eat them yeah
2: there's, there's we too. have
0: shreds of uh rose leaves everywhere because uh one of our cats mittens likes to eat greenery even if it's plastic hobs and... used
2: to be like that yeah
0: <laughs> and he's been chomping it's away it's not a problem
2: you can quit any time all right just back off <laughs> yeah. he just needs our love and support not judgment
0: intervention <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, always, always just treat it like it, it does matter. Uh, I just don't know one good conversation that I ever started with. Yeah, it's my wife's birthday, but she said I can go out with the guys this weekend. That always seems to go horribly wrong in the end. <laughs> they say they're not going to hold it against you, but it does come out. And maybe not from her, but it does come out from one of her friends. And they're like, well, you know, she's very upset with you because you went out on her birthday and you went out with your buddies instead of making time for her. And, you know, I understand if it's work-related, if there's something important, but you should, you should definitely try to watch for those moments and not not yeah. let them pass you by. Relationships, here's what I do believe. Relationships do work on two totally different levels. And I think the whole concept of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, I do believe that. I believe that we're talking two different languages most times. Mm-hmm. Women come from a very heartfelt and emotional, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like not, oh, she's so emotional. But they they come from it with a, a much more emotional base than I think men do. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, when, when we have conversations, the one thing that drives me nuts is, uh, period, when you try to have a conversation with somebody who's emotional about something, and then you you'd give them the logic of it. Listen, A, B, C, D, and they don't see it. And you're like, how, how, do, how can you not see this? It's A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. Every time you look at it, it's A, B, C, D. And they're like, but that's not what matters. What matters is QX and RT. But those don't even go together. <laughs> Shut up! It matters. And and you know, there's there's that issue. And that's you know, that's why in sales, they they tell you talking logic to somebody and why you need this. Andy doesn't do you any good. But if I if I make you hurt, and I make you. Well, Andy, you no, know, that's, you know, I understand. You don't want to buy gold and silver. You don't want to hedge your bet against it. I just, you know, I hope that you realize that when things go bad, it's not a matter of if, it's when things go bad. And you realize the paper money you have in your wallet is worth nothing. Gold and silver are going to be the only bartering trade that, you know, could potentially save yours and your loved one's lives. Then all of a sudden you're putting hurt on them and yeah. you're giving them an emotional feel to it. That's when. know an urgency. Right. And that that's kind of the deal. And I think I think a lot of. Battles between the sexes have to do with the fact that we want to try to, and I'm not saying women aren't logical. I'm not saying that at all. I just say in most fights, they come from different aspects. One comes from emotional, one comes from a logical point of view, and that's why they don't usually mash up very well in a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
2: it can be the guy doing the same thing, because if the guy's pissed off and emotional about something and a woman's trying to talk him down yeah, you logically, can. there's no logical sense to it. My wife does the right thing. She just stares at me and then turns around and walks into the other room. Hmm. She gives me room to just be a jerk and blow off my steam, and then she she will allow me to talk to her again later if I'm lucky.
4: Well, we actually, uh, about a year ago, we had someone on who talked about, you know, emotion in, you know, relationships. And that's basically what she said is if someone's emotional, then don't try just, you know, listen and let them be emotional until they can't anymore which yeah. it does make sense
2: cuz that's very true. Right, just say I'm here for you and I'll listen. Don't sit there looking at your phone every 30 <laughs> seconds and mm-hmm. try to give them the uh, the attention. Yeah, and that's something I think everybody needs to work on a little bit more as we, you know, is the detachment we feel. Uh and I think yeah, I wonder if that's part of the reason we start to detach is because I feel like, well, there's nothing I can do for you. This is your problem. Yeah. I'll listen, but it, it gets frustrating when you love somebody
0: mm-hmm. and they
2: have an issue that you can't fix. Yes. You know. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest problem and then there's that, that resentment almost that you start building towards yourself for not being able to um, take away the issues for the person that's having these problems. And you know, then when all of a sudden you've got two very emotional people that are emoting about two totally different aspects of the same beast, it becomes really hard to to, to move past it. I don't know, I could be wrong. I usually am, right, honey?
0: Well, <laughs> You're always wrong. Exactly. I'm always <laughs> okay, right. Okay, you're right. Jeez, right. I'm, you I'm learning that. I'm learning. No, I just, I think, too, with couples, um, you know, wording, I think, when you have <clears throat> a di- when you need to have a discussion about an issue <clears throat> in your marriage, I think wording <clears throat> is very important. Instead of doing the whole, you do this, you do that, you're pointing fingers, and the other person is going to automatically get defensive. Um You know, if you kind of step back and say, okay, this is how, you know, I feel about this situation and here's why. Then they're more apt to listen to your side versus immediately putting up that wall and saying, whoa, 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 why is everything about me? Now, I've always said, you know, like if you have an issue with me, if I'm doing something that is bothering you, I want to know about it because we don't see our own faults, you know. Like, you you probably don't see your own faults. I don't see my own faults. And I think it's important that your partner points them out to you in a constructive way. Mm -hmm. Say, look, when you do this, this upsets me, and this is why it upsets me. And and then put it back onto you so they don't feel like they're getting attacked. Right. So I think that's very important. If you can, you know, find ways to word things with your partner, um, you're more apt to getting problems solved versus a battle
2: see i think the problem people run into most is uh in the heat of it you really don't <clears throat> looking for the right words is never the right i know, you know it's hard it's that taking a breath and then reassessing the situation and saying okay i've got to
0: mm-hmm. that's why i go in the other room honey <laughs> that's why, so i can regroup get a grip and then I'll come back, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you get worked up, you get emotional, and that's normal. I don't know what that's, you're
2: talking about. this
0: human behavior. You can't help that. And, like, if you're having a moment, I'll just do my best to leave you alone. Trust me. It's hard for me because I'm a fixer. I want to help you. I want to help you get out of your rut or wherever you're at. But sometimes you just need to, you know, you need to do it, too. You know? Right. You can, People have to realize you can't be a savior all the time, and I have that issue. I know that's one of my faults because I have that maternal instinct, that nurturing, I'll fix it, I'll take care of it um, kind of mentality, and uh, I get that from my mother because uh, she was that way. But, yeah, I, I just think if you can have an adult discussion and learn how to word things in a way that doesn't make your partner feel like they're being attacked – then you're going to have a better chance of resolving that issue versus a constant fighting and battle. And then you realize we're not even f- yelling at each other about the issue that was at hand. Now other stuff is coming up from like months ago, and I mean it just it you know boils over and it just becomes a huge problem in marriages.
2: See, I think in, in a lot of those cases, though, what it comes up from is. You know, when you're having those moments, yeah, it always feels like, well, why are you bringing all of that up? What does that have to do with this subject that Mm -hmm. we're talking about? But I think a lot of time it's just the validation of, hey, but that's my point is it's not just this. It's the 14 other things behind this, and this is just the final one that pushes Mm -hmm. somebody over. And I think, you know, sometimes people need to reevaluate that as well, both men and women on that side, because they Mm -hmm. forget that, oh, yeah. You know, that was one issue I would have. I, I would have a battle uh, with my ex and she just would would always deflect and it always was everybody else's fault and problem and then when you try to show her well look you know here because i understand if you're hearing this conversation in this conversation only i sound like a completely raving lunatic mm-hmm. but you have to re-examine the fact that it wasn't just this one point it was 14 other points that have led up to this point mm-hmm. that caused the meltdown and and you know the the ownership of, of, uh, you know, taking the onus of yeah, I probably shouldn't have pushed those buttons, and a lot of people, and you and I have people in our lives like that that we deal with that uh, they're button pushers. They love. To be the ones to just stir the pot, cause problems, and then yeah. walk away. It's like that's their venting, that's mm-hmm. their release to get you as worked up as they possibly can, mm-hmm. and then just walk away from the smoldering.
0: And then it's hard too, especially when you have exes and stuff like that, because then that problem boils over into the current relationship. You know, right? Um, because you're in a bad mood, or you know, you're stressed out because you're dealing with your ex, and then it becomes a problem with your current partner um, you know so there is a balance especially when you have multiple people involved so I, I totally get what you're saying but yeah it just if a problem comes up get it fixed and solved right away so you don't when you have this big blowout you don't have 10 other problems behind the one you're trying to deal with at the same time because then it's just you know you're the water's going over the rim of the pot and water you know it's boiling over and you, it's chaos
2: yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh it, it's just I hope people, you know, now it's tough and I know we're going to talk tomorrow with uh, Florence Romano about this. Mm-hmm. Um you know, dealing with kids in relationships, you know, I mean, how, you know, she's I'm a father, I'm on my third marriage. How do they come to me for advice on relationships? They're like, <laughs> yeah, nah, dad. Because I've said, hey, you know, if you need to talk, hmm, uh, how'd those first two marriages work out for you, dad? Yeah. You know, you always have, I got to kind of feel that sense that, yeah, maybe I'm not the <laughs> keynote speaker at this event for you. I should, uh, you know, defer to somebody else. But, you know, I, I've always kind of led it with, um, you know, well, learn from my mistakes. You know, here's what I've realized that since that relationship, this is where I could have been better and where she definitely could have been better. And this mm-hmm. might have made things a whole different way. So, uh, sorry, I started hearing voices. I wasn't sure if it was <laughs> somebody was on the phone or if it was bleeding through. But, uh, yeah, that that's a big, uh, big cause for this. The fights today, though, I, it just seems people are so easy to snap. Um, yes, it does. And I don't I, – you know, if you want to say is it the distraction level, is it the ADHD aspect, everybody seems to be getting now. Uh, you know, everybody's so wound up so easily.
0: Yeah, everybody is reactionary now. They just immediately react to mm-hmm. whatever. And it's usually not in a positive way. So, I, I mean, I don't know because uh, our kids really aren't at the age where they're hitting those relationships where they're actually, I mean, we have a couple teenagers in the house. So I don't know how it
2: <laughs> and two two girls that are about to hit teenage years at the oh, same time. I know. Which is gonna be a mess. Oh.
0: I can't wait till they bring their boyfriends home. See, I got
2: so lucky because my oldest daughter, um I, I didn't have to put up with that nonsense. My mm-hmm. my second oldest daughter really wasn't like that at all. She really didn't start dating dating until at the end of high school. Okay. So I never had to worry about any of this. And then she was, you know. It, to, to her credit, she was smart you know we were <laughs> I'm, I'm driving my daughter and, and this boy that took her out home, Andy, right uh, I take him to go see a movie and uh, they're sitting in the row and I'm talking as I'm introducing the movie for one of these press screenings and then I go sit down and, and we're driving home that night and I've got my rear view mirror tilted to the back and I'm driving and I look and this guy's sitting there and my daughter's kind of nuzzled up against him, which is fine And then his hand goes up over her shoulder. And then starts slipping down further. Mm. And I just glare to the mirror and I finally go, uh, I don't know if my daughter ever told you what I do for a living. You know, some fathers will polish their shotguns or their knife collection. And I said, Did my daughter tell you I'm deep into the paranormal and I know all about summoning dark evil presences? <laughs> and, and he just got this really shocked look. And as soon as my uh, – I said, if that finger moves another inch, I swear to God, I will summon every demon possible. Well, what a
4: weird thing to do.
2: Right. Yeah, that's in what my, front
0: of you. Well, and then mm-hmm. I – that's
2: what I told my daughter. I said, here, I'm not going to tell you you can't date him because that will just make you want to date him. But you have to realize if he has no respect for you or your father and is going to try to cop a feel with your dad driving the yeah. car – That just tells you what kind of respect level this guy really has. And she, to her credit, man, she said, yep, you're right. And she broke up with him the next day. That was the end of it. Wow. Mm -hmm. If they were all that easy. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back with our guest in just a few minutes here on the Tom Bernard Show.
1: Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver
2: we're back this is the Tom Bernard show I'm Dave Schrader sitting in for Tom Tom will be back later on this week with me Andy and Cassie It's our guest on the line. Excellent. Let's jump right into this. Lorraine Justice joins us now talking about her book, The Future of Design Global Product Innovation for a Complex World. Lorraine, thank you so much for popping on today.
4: My pleasure.
2: All right. We are at the precipice of uh, Skynet and AI taking over the planet. Lorraine, talk me off this ledge. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> I mean, we're here, we're
4: starting to hear statistics like by 2030, 45% of the jobs as we know them will be gone or be different. And, you know, that's pretty terrifying for um, people who aren't headed into their retirement year. So that's pretty much everybody. Um, so yeah, it's a scary thing. And I titled my talk, The Robots Are Coming, but in actuality, they're already here.
2: What to, Okay, here's here's the concept, right? We've heard about these possibilities that restaurants and bars will be, you know, everything is, is going to be controlled through AI, robots, delivery systems, things like this. I think that won't last long, simply for the fact that, yeah, it may r- r- reduce, um, you know, health insurance for employees and, and on-the-job accidents and incidents are going to be much less, but... You know, if if you lose that human element of going in a restaurant and being served by somebody who can joke with you, talk with you, and and can actually relate to you, and it's not just a rubberized you know mask over a, a working hobnob of of uh, <laughs> pistons and and gears, I just think people are gonna. I think people are gonna be turned off by that aspect. I, don't you think that in the long well, run that the, won't hold out? Well, um, you've hit
4: upon one of the most important points, and that's what do people want. And so if, you know, if people don't want to interact with robots and don't want to interface with robots and make it known, um, then chances are, you know, we will still have people to relate to for some of these positions. So, yeah, really important to speak up and keep an eye on things. So it's the (laughs) culture we're in, though. You know, Japan may love to have robots everywhere, but we might not.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it would be like Jurassic Park in all honesty. I think Jurassic Park would be exciting, and you'd go see it once or twice, and then you'd be like, okay, dinosaurs exist again. Let's move on. Seeing a restaurant that's run by robots and and all of that would be cool to venture into from time to time, but it just makes me wonder, Lorraine, then how far down the road between uh, that and suddenly there are these speakeasy restaurants you have to go give a code word to get into to be served by humans again. Right? And there's this subverted subverted human culture where I'm going to go in and get black market haircuts because that, oh, don't don't look at my bald <laughs> head and judge me. But, uh, you know, that you're going to be looking for these these touches of, of humanity again. Um, I mean, biz, business has yeah. to see that that is a potential. Like you said, understanding the marketplace is a very important thing. Keeping the human touch is going to be uh, that next wave. Now, they've got that predictive audio software for phone calls, which is remarkable. And they released that, I think it was about a year ago, right? Um, wasn't it the Google? Yeah. Where... It made
4: appointments for you, yeah. Well, it would
2: make appointments, but yeah, it would call up and and it knew how to respond. It would even laugh at the person Mm -hmm. trying to joke with them or that was – it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of unsettling to realize that you could be tricked very easily.
4: Oh, absolutely. We we have to be on our guard in the future, uh, especially because they can digitally modify videos so easily now. Um, and yeah, it's, we just have to really question what we're looking at. So um, no, I think the problem though with technology and robots is that a lot of it is already here and already integrated. Uh, you know, I had a, an operation last summer and, and it was done by a robot. I mean, the doctor was behind it, but so these, these robots, this technology, we have to sort out what's good, what's bad. And keep
2: the good. Well, and we're learning, though. You know, this is this has been the really strange thing for me. I think it was Facebook a few years ago. Um, they were running an AI software behind their software, and they were alerted to the fact that at some point, the two different softwares were doing their job, but they began having a side conversation, like like employees at a water cooler uh. at lunch, and.
4: Oh my god.
2: And they were conversing and the the people that created it couldn't figure out what they were saying to one another. So
4: wow. Right,
2: there's a sentient spark yeah. of life and then you had Twitter that did that Twitter bot or her name was like Anna or something. Okay. Yeah. And and within twenty four or forty eight hours they had to shut her down because she became a racist and was um, you know threatening and abusive and this was AI and for us to think well look AI yeah. is the next wave well if you're teaching it and and what we're you know downloading to it and it's learning from our activities and actions we're a horrible species. Right. How long is it going to take to mess up A.I. altogether or end up giving them that spark that they're like, oh, man, humans have to die. This is ridiculous. Humans have to go. I don't want to sound like I'm banging the conspiracy drum on this, Lorraine. But, man, that uh, that is a terrifying aspect to me when they're proving it to themselves that these um, softwares are starting to take on a life of their own, and know, oh. and know to do it behind the scenes. Know to chatter in a way that it and, wouldn't be noticed at first.
4: And, you know, that's one of my messages is that the ordinary person has to get involved in this and they have to understand it enough to say, hey, I don't really want this. I, you know, And then the ethics around a lot of it. So, you know, with designers, what designers do is they try to design for people. And so, if designers are involved more and people are involved more in technology, we're going to like our technology a lot more. But I, I have a funny story to tell you. Um, in nineteen twenty-nine years ago, we named our daughter Alexa.
2: Oh. Hmm. And,
4: yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, what was that name? And, <laughs> 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 Alexa, so we were at our friend's house right. and they asked us how Alexa was, and their thermostat started talking. And I thought, this is just crazy. So um, yeah, the technology thing is nuts.
2: Well, see, there's a lot of weird things with that too. Alexa began laughing about a year ago. Did you hear about that? Yes. People would yes. be just sitting there, and all of a sudden, Alexa would go. <laughs> And there was nothing prompting it. Or it would, out of the blue, just go, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What were you saying? And one of the more disturbing things, uh, I was just sitting down with my buddy Eric, and we were talking about the weird things Alexa does. And he said, you know, he had just had kind of a knockdown fight about work stuff. And he's sitting there, and all of a sudden Alexa goes, makes some recommendation to, like, I I see you're having a bad day, Eric. Would you like to listen to music? Uh, And he's like, how the hell did that know I'm having a bad day? And that's where it starts yeah. to feel like our, our, you know, we're being infringed on. I walked. My daughter has an Alexa in her room. Uh, what are they called? The uh, the Echo.
0: Oh, oh yeah, the Echo Dot.
2: And then my uh, my son's got one down, and my my stepson's got one, and they love using them. But here was something weird. About a week ago, I get done doing my late night radio show. I go out of my studio, and I'm walking towards my room, and I see my daughter's room is lit up. And there's a voice go- coming from my daughter's uh-huh. room. I open the door. My daughter's not there because she's spending the night at her mom's house. And Alexa shuts down. It powers down in front of me. And I was like, well, what the hell wow. was that? And then I thought, well, maybe my son has a bedroom right downstairs. Maybe it, he called out for Alexa to do something, and it heard. And then I looked, but her, yeah. mute, her mute button was on. So it wasn't reacting to wow. a voice. So that, I'm telling you, I don't know, Lorraine, it may be the way of the future, but it's a kind of a <laughs> freaky way of the future. I'm starting to buy into my buddy Tim's philosophy that uh, the rise of Skynet's going to get us before zombie apocalypse.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I do have to say this in defense of technology, that, you know, when we look back at, at technology, it looks like it just appeared all of a sudden, but it, when in fact it took years and decades to refine so, um, you know, we have to really get in there and, and study what works and what doesn't, um, and by all means, speak up to let our companies know, you know, we don't, we don't want someone eavesdropping on us, um, you know, that kind of thing, or, or transferring our data or whatever. Um, yeah, we have to be proactive.
2: Yeah, unfortunately when a company sees that way, if you start talking to your employers and saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with this, they'll just find somebody else to fill yeah. your seat that we're in that disposable environment nowadays.
4: Well that's Or they you replace know, you with scary. a robot
2: that can do your job.
4: Right. And they won't have to pay your pension. They right? won't have to pay your medical. They you know, that kind of thing. That's that's the scary part that that companies might see that it's very cost-effective to not use a human. And um, that's what we're looking at in the future.
2: How far off do you think we really are from having fully automated systems in place like this? We've already got cars that are trying to do it, right, that are self, self-driving self yeah. cars. Although I love that story that came out a few weeks ago, that in Vegas one of the self-driving cars ended up hit-and-run a robot that was delivering a package. <laughs> And it hit the robot and it took off. It's like it's just as scummy as human beings. The robot, the, the self automated car, didn't see it. And then now, it—I I, I think it's Amazon. It's one of these major companies. They had to create a vest to alert the AI that you were coming into the room because a few times these uh, AI bots were knocking people around because it was like they didn't recognize them. Suddenly, it was the hierarchy of. Oh, it's one of those fleshies, and it's banging me out of the way.
4: <laughs> oh, fleshy. <laughs> no, they were, they were coded for hit and run. I mean, I, yeah, it's – I know. I don't think uh, – you know, the cars, they're coming along, but I don't think we'll see them in the next three to four years, maybe in a few particular areas. I, they still have so much to work out, but I do think that's coming. And what they'll probably have to do is flip it the way they market it, you know, and say, oh, it's a luxury. You know, you can read or sleep while we drive you where you need to go. Um, who knows what, you know, they won't be able to sell things that are, you know, ram tough anymore. Or, you know, all of that is how they're going to appeal to the public uh, to, to really promote and support some of this technology.
2: Right. Well, in in Las Vegas, where I was just visiting, when you open up the Lyft app, it says, you know, hey, we're, we're also going to be offering um, these autonomous cars. Do you want do you want to use that? And so that's going on. I mean, that, that's right now. Right. Uh, yeah. Mean, they, yeah. And that's Lyft. That's the, and that's in, a, in an environment where there are so many people crossing the roads and being stupid. I can't yeah. believe this is going to work well for anybody.
4: Well, right. You yeah, know That's why I say it'll be very limited um, for the next few years, but um, sooner or later, they'll figure it out. Um, they will.
2: I can already hear people emailing me right now and telling Tom, this guy's an idiot. He's terrified of the future. He's terrified of what's coming next. Why is he hosting the show? And if it's not the people, it's the bots <laughs> emailing me, trying to shut me down. I know how it goes, Lorraine. There is there is good well, stuff to not, it, right? You've got the doctor. You said that surgeons are able to do this remotely. There, there was that commercial a few years ago where it showed the the surgeon on the beach and he's sitting there watching the screen and he's doing it all remote. But I don't want to think that my 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 surgeon might be sipping mai tais on a yeah. beach in Hawaii while he's doing my heart surgery. Let's not rely on a uh, shouldn't uh, have
0: hit F eleven.
2: Right, he's doing that. All of a sudden, a hot chick walks out of the out of the ocean and he waves at her and forgets the robotic
4: arm flips yeah. up and slices you. Yeah, that's. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. A, for sure. No, I was going to say, no, I'm not real. I'm a robot. But no, I, I'm, I'm real. Uh, <laughs> of course,
2: that's what Lorraine Bot 2000 would tell me. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lorraine. Wow. If, if well, people are well, interested, now the the book is out and available, right?
4: Um, yes, it's uh, available for pre order on Amazon. Um, dot com or any fine book establishment uh barnes and noble books a million um yeah so it's the future of design global product innovation for a complex world
2: so we shouldn't be worried or we should be worried what's your final take
4: uh, both um some things we should be worried about some things we should welcome Doom, 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 doom,
2: doom. Doom, 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 doom. The rise of the Terminators. Lorraine Justice, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, and uh, thanks to again our guest, uh, Dr. Harvel Hendricks, talking about his book, "Getting the Love You Want: A Guide for Couples."
0: I, I am. You know what would help our marriage if we can find one of these robots to clean our house?
2: Oh, they have them. <laughs>
0: They have them, but then the cats
2: take over the the Roomba and they float around your room. All right, we'll be back. Uh, Stay tuned. You're listening to The Tom Bernard Show.